0: Welcome into the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host Ryan McDowell, I'm joined as always by Matt Williamson, and we've got our buddy Ray Garvin back. Ray, of course, is one of the senior writers over at DLF. He's the Devi team lead, and he is host of the Destination Devi podcast. Find his work uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, also on YouTube. A ton of video uh, videos going live over there. Really great stuff from Ray. We took a little post NFL draft break uh, from. From these uh, these rookie segments, but we've got Ray back to to dive into another uh, another one of these important members of the class of 2020. Not necessarily a first rounder, not a first rounder in the NFL draft, not a first rounder in dynasty rookie drafts, but an intriguing player. And both Ray and Matt are going to have some great insight on Anthony McFarland today. McFarland is a 5'8", 193-pound running back, now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, played his college ball at Maryland, and he was the fourth-round pick of the Steelers, 124th overall. Uh, Matt, I'm actually going to go to you (laughs) first this time, since this kid is a Steeler. Tell me about your first impressions. You were were doing draft coverage uh, the, the entire weekend a few weeks ago. The Steelers announced his name. How, how do you feel immediately?
1: Yeah, and I was on the air live for 20 hours during the draft on Sealer Nation Radio. So um, I was pretty dialed in, to say the least, and did a lot of you know pre-draft stuff. And I thought when Dobbins was on the board at 49, where they took Claypool, I thought that would probably be the pick. The receivers were going quick. Um, Sealer Nation wanted it. And then when that didn't happen, and then they went outside linebacker in the, with their th- second pick, kind of thought, okay, I mean, I kind of felt like the running back position was go big or go home, and then they took McFarland, and I kind of thought, well, I'm fine with it, you know, he's a bursty guy, I liked his tape from two years ago, he's had some high moments, he's played injured this past couple of years, but I thought it would be more of a bell cow to replace Connor as opposed to the complimentary guy, so It wasn't what I expected, but the more I dug into it, the more I liked it. And I like him more and more, you know, Steelers aside, for rookie drafts. I keep grabbing him and trading up for him. And one thing I want to ask, and maybe Ray's the person to ask about this too, you know, it's listed here that he's 5'8", 193. At the Combine, he was 208, and he was basically the exact same size as J.K. Dobbins. Uh, and my Steeler insight, he hasn't been to rookie camp. I, I haven't seen him live. I don't know what you know, weight I'm expecting for the guy.
2: Yeah, I definitely think he's closer to that 200-pound, you know, that, that what he weighed in at the combine. I mean, he looks like it, right? Um, it, I, I think he is closer to, to that 208, you know, that 205 range. But like you initially, Matt, when I heard it, because we had talked, you know, leading up to the draft, you know, that – Pittsburgh was targeting a running back and they got a running back, but it was, you know, wasn't one of the ones that we initially kind of had mocked to them. But I I think, you know, and we'll dive into some more stuff later on. I think he's I think he's a good a good complimentary back. I think he brings something different to the table. And, you know, and I guess that's what's fun about these episodes now is we actually have the landing spot and can talk about how these players fit into these teams. But I, I think you and Steelers Nation should be cautiously optimistic about Anthony McFarlane and what he can do not just for the Steelers but for our dynasty teams as well
0: guys this one is is really for either one of you Matt you mentioned the the Steelers pick in the second round of Chase Claypool that was a surprise to me I think a surprise to a lot of people given that the Steelers Uh, depth at wide receiver and or at least perceived depth I'll say that and and their question marks at so many other positions and and it's really easy for us to sit here and in our comfy chairs and look back at the full draft right now you mentioned Dobbins Matt they they could have gone Dobbins in the second round and you look at who they who was available when they took McFarland Uh, Gabriel Davis was the next wide receiver drafted. Antonio Gandy golden went soon after that. So when you think about a Claypool McFarland combo versus a Dobbins, Gandy golden combo, that seems like a pretty easy pick for me. I'm going the Dobbins side. Matt, what do Mm. you think?
1: I'm going the other side Mm. and I, I, Gandy golden would have been my receiver. I took at that point. Um, I just think that they're looking for explosive playmakers, and McFarland presents that. I wonder, you know, with Bud Dupree coming up and Juju coming up, I wonder if they were going receiver outside linebacker no matter what. I mean, they would never admit that. I'll never find that information out. But I kind of had that feeling after the draft that there's going to be a guy we like at the receiver position. We're taking him. I was hoping for LaVisca Chennault, in fact, but he wasn't there. Um, I, I, I love Dobbins. I, I just don't think that Dandy Golden is close to Claypool in terms of ceiling.
0: All right. That's fair. Uh, Ray, any, any thoughts on, on the running back wide receiver duo either way?
2: Yeah, I, I probably, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where this is where I, I really believe in, and trust me, I am not saying that Anthony McFarlane is a better running back than J.K. Dobbins, but I do think a lot of times uh, when you've got these players that played at the University of Maryland, and McFarland had a very, very good redshirt freshman season. I mean, I I was really anticipating an explosion from him this past college football season, but I think this is a thing where I think his skill set, right, although he may not be the the more complete running back, he, he may not be as complete and total as a J.K. Dobbins, but I think his skill set is something that actually has me mildly interested in a couple, I'll say in one other Steelers running back not named James Connor. Um, I, I do, and I know it sounds gross. It sounds <laughs> gross. But I think his skill set and what he brings to the table, I'd probably prefer the McFarland claypool side over Dobbins-Gandy-Golden. Uh, uh, that's that's just me, though.
1: I want to throw one nugget out because you mentioned the Maryland thing. And, If you look at the Steelers' draft, they also drafted a a safety from Maryland, Brooks. And I actually did a Zoom call with Mm -hmm. Kevin Colbert a couple weeks ago and mentioned it. I'm like, well, you know, these are odd times. You know, you don't get as much information. That's a challenge. You don't have medicals. And I'm like, well, you brought up to, you know, you had two guys from the same school, and the Steelers have two coaches on their staff that were recently there, or is there now and was recently on the staff. And how about this little nugget? Coach Tomlin's son, Dino, is a Maryland Terrapin. Knows these guys well. All right. Not an accident.
0: No. Ray, you mentioned McFarland's uh, first season as a redshirt freshman for Maryland. He did have a big year. Over 1,000 rushing yards and almost eight yards uh, per clip or per carry clip there. Uh, Only four rushing touchdowns, seven catches for 73 yards, now, a little bit of a step back uh it's it has been pointed out that he was dealing with an injury i believe uh that's the case for much of his uh tw- 2019 Acklesbury. yeah his 2019 season so uh, a drop it uh, basically across the board 614 yards he did double those touchdowns up to eight rushing touchdowns 17 catches 126 yards and a receiving Touchdown as well. So Ray, let's get into uh, a unique fact or a stat about Anthony McFarland.
2: Well, I think uh, I think the most unique thing about McFarland is for most people who who aren't college football enthusiasts, because I'm telling you, you probably have no reason outside of being an alum of Maryland are living in the Maryland area to watch them play on Saturdays. I mean, it's just – that's not the game you're getting up for if you're going to casually watch college football. But when you look back at McFarland coming into college, his high school profile, here are some of the names of the players that he was ranked ahead of. Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson. Chuba Hubbard, running back out of Oklahoma State, 2021 eligible. C.J. Verdell, one of the top running backs in the 2021 class – Clyde Edwards-Elaire. He was ranked higher than Edwards-Elaire. He was ranked higher than Eno Benjamin. He was ranked... I mean, this kid was literally ranked uh, right behind J.K. Dobbins in the 2017 class and two spots ahead of Clyde Edwards-Elaire. He was a top 100 overall recruit when he was coming out of high school, four-star prospect. And get this, he was ranked higher than Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the Indianapolis Colts. I say that to say... He's not just some random that the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted. The kid had talent. He was a mega producer in high school, and he was highly sought after. And again, you could say what you want about these rankings. They were talent evaluators who said he was a better running back prospect than Jonathan Taylor, Hubbard, Etienne, Verdell, you know Benjamin, and right behind J.K. Dobbins. So I just think people, you know, he was not the hot name entering into the NFL draft. He had a, a down sophomore season, but he was very productive as a freshman, and he has a particular skill set that I think we should be excited for because, as we've seen, you don't have to be a 25 carry per game running back to have an impact in fantasy football. All you need, and this is like my new little saying, I'm just looking for players that have an opportunity to get an opportunity. Yeah. That's what it's about, right? You're trying to find players who have an opportunity to get an opportunity to score fantasy points for our team. And I think Anthony McFarland lands in a situation where he's going to have an opportunity to give us a chance to score some fantasy points.
1: I think that's really well said, Ray. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute because I, I, I'm liking him more and more in rookie drafts, Steelers aside, because talent and opportunity are there. I mean, there's just not many that have that. So let's get to that back and get back to that in a minute. But first, I want to tell you guys about Reality Sports Online. The the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract, and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. think that sounds complicated. It's not. Best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league, it just requires more strategy. So if you think you're among the fantasy elite, well, this is a platform to test your mettle. If you're still not sure, you can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT, all one word, to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com.
0: Ray, let's get into the data a little bit. What do the numbers tell you about Anthony McFarland?
2: Yeah, I think uh, the, the initial thing, and you kind of touched on it, um, you know, when, when you were running down his stats earlier, Ryan, but it was, and I know a lot of people do not like yards per carry average for running backs, but in the context that I'm using it, it just shows I think it shows what his combine kind of showed. He's an explosive straight line runner. Like when he gets the open field, when he finds a crease, you know, I know his combine measurables were not, it wasn't very good. Like it, it you know, his 40 yard dash time was fine, but other, it was just weird. Like it, there were a lot of weird things that happened at the combine, but for a player who is a four, four forty yard dash runner, you would expect to see some of those explosion numbers be a little bit higher But again, when you just look at his data from Maryland, he wasn't really utilized a lot in the receiving game. Uh, Javon Leak was kind of that running back who who caught passes. And I don't think it's an indication or an indictment against McFarland not being able to do that. Uh, Maryland, they've got some other issues at the quarterback position. But he does, you know, go back to that redshirt freshman season, the data shows that you know, on only 130 carries, was able to rip off over a thousand yards, and was you know dropping eight yards a carry. Just about that—that's encouraging. And even in a down season where he suffered, as Matt alluded to, a high ankle injury, uh, he still was averaging five and a half yards a carry. Which, again, that—that that, that just shows me that this player, if you give him a crease and there's a little bit of daylight. We know his testing numbers. He's got the acceleration and speed to rip off long plays, and I think that brings a a much-needed dimension uh, to the Steelers' backfield. And I know, Matt, you'll be able to speak on this and elaborate a little better than me, but even during the, you know, you you think back to Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he was just a do-it-all back, right? So I just, I I think this entire approach to the backfield is just, it's going to look different than what we're used to And I don't know if Pittsburgh, you know, a lot of people have said that they they really like to utilize just one running back. This might scream a a change to more of a running back by committee approach. So, uh, you know, the data shows exactly what we think McFarlane is. I think he's that type of player. Uh, Much different than Le'Veon Bell and much different than James Conner.
1: Yeah, I I see all that. And a question I have for you, like I've heard Austin Eckler comparisons and I don't see that. I mean, I think in the open field, McFarland wins that race, but he doesn't have the balance, the lateral agility, um, and certainly the receiving chops are close to it of Eckler. You mentioned his receiving prowess. I mean, he kind of profiles as a good receiver. He's fast, he's smaller, you know, but um, do you think he'll be a 50 catch a year type guy?
2: I think he can do it. Okay. I, I think if that's what Pittsburgh wants him to do, I do think he's capable of doing that. Uh, the problem was, I mean, he just, it's either the running backs in college are they're either utilized as a pass-catching running back or they're not. There's, mm-hmm. like, no in-between. There's no middle ground. It's They're either heavily involved in the passing game or they're not. And uh, something that I want to remind the listeners is, a lot of these collegiate quarterbacks, if if I had to even put a percentage on it, I'd say at least sixty percent of college quarterbacks, if their first or second read in open, they're taking off. I mean, they're they're running the ball. They're they're not checking down to the running back unless, again, that's a design scheme of the offense. So. Matt, I do think there's a little hesitation there. I, mm-hmm. I, I would not say that you could just pencil him in for 50 receptions a season. I don't think the Austin Eckler comp is appropriate. Austin Eckler, is, is uh, he's one of the best receiving running yeah. backs and receivers. You can put him up there with receivers in the NFL for his skill set. Uh, I, I, I think that's a little premature to slot McFarland in as that. But I do think that over time... You know, two three years down the line, if we're talking about McFarland being a fifty catch a season back, I don't I wouldn't be shocked by that at all.
0: Okay. Ray, what about the film? You've touched on a little bit of what you've seen from McFarland, but uh, go a little deeper for us there.
2: Yeah, he's he he's got quick acceleration. That's the that's the first thing that jumps off the tape uh, for me is how quickly he gets to his top end speed. Uh, he does have that home run ability. I think because of his size, he might be a little underrated as far as his break, uh, his tackle breaking ability. He's not some mauler. He's not going out there and running over defenders and trucking them. But he does have the power to sort of uh, avoid and elude those arm tackles that defenders come with. Uh, bounces, runs to the outside. Uh, he's got good vision, picking his spots, picking his holes. He, he's he's a very decisive runner, and that's something that I've really been focusing on is when the hole presents itself, can these guys identify it, vision, and then once they do, can they get through and get to the second level? You you want a running back to at least be able to get to the second level, and McFarland is a really, really decisive runner. Now, some of the things that he is not, uh, he, he just doesn't have – he doesn't have the frame that's going to yield to being a featured running back for eight to 10 years. I just, I don't know if, if, if that is within his range of outcomes. Um, I kind of talked about it earlier outside of his 40 yard dash time. He didn't test that well at the NFL combine. He's not a very powerful running back. You know, Matt, we talked about his limitations in the receiving game. I, I think he's capable of doing it, but to this point, I mean, 24 career receptions, that's, I mean, we're right. slamming players like Travis Etienne and Jonathan Taylor for not catching the ball, but they all did more than what this running back, who profiles as more of a third-down satellite committee back, than than he was able to do. Um, I think he he he's not as elusive in the open field. He's not going to break you down like a Clyde Edwards-Helaire or a DeAndre Swift, and he's a player that I think you're going. He's going to have to find space, right, in order to be effective. So while I am cautiously optimistic as I talked about at the top of the show uh, there are some limitations and and some reasons why I I don't think that he's going to be a you know a long-term solution at the running back I I don't but I do think he can have an opportunity to produce points for us and you know I I don't know where he's being drafted at right now so that'd be interested to hear but I'm assuming where he's going in the drafts uh, that's probably an appropriate spot for the type of upside that he can have.
1: One thing I think is interesting is two of my favorite running back evaluators that have been on the show, Matt Waldman and Graham Barfield, had really good nuggets about him pre-draft in that Matt wasn't real big on his – I don't want to put words in both their mouths, but they're, he thought McFarland was a very spotty decision maker. Like, what hole should I hit? But when he hit it, like you said, he hit it hard, but maybe isn't the best decision maker right off the bat. But Graham had him really high. What, what's Graham's metric that he uses? Or the yards? Yeah, yard, yards created. Yeah, he was very high on that. You know, list for him for Graham.
0: Yeah, Ray. It sounds like from what you're saying, if and when McFarland does hit and does flash, from a dynasty perspective, you might take the chance to sell high on him. Is is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's a world
2: in which McFarland something happens to Connor. I uh, love James Conner. Love James Conner. But it's not a question of if he gets hurt, it's when. Yeah. When James Conner goes down, for whatever injury that is, I think there's a chance McFarlane gets in there. And, I mean, he could easily, I think two, three weeks at a time, could have some big games. And I think at that point in time, as savvy dynasty owners, you probably want to take advantage of that hype around him.
1: He might lead the Steelers in rushing for those reasons.
2: Uh, he very well <laughs> Matt, he very well may. I, right. And he and, and, – and, even better for us because while I like his talent, uh, long term I'm just I'm not sure where I have him. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I hear it.
0: Ray, you said he's not necessarily Austin Eckler. Who does McFarland remind you of? Let's let's get some comps out there. He reminds
2: me of a discount version of Devonta Freeman with less power. He's not as powerful Mm. as Freeman. Freeman, that dude will will, for better or worse. And I guess for worse now, he would lower his shoulder and try to run through people all the time. I think he did himself a disservice with that, but Devonta Freeman is a very decisive runner. Once he knows where he wants to go and he hits the hole. I mean, we can all think about the explosion that Devonta Freeman had. Uh, I think he reminds me of a, 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 of a discount version of Devonta Freeman.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It seems like there's been a lot of Freeman comps in this, in this class. We talked about it with Clyde Edwards, a pre-draft. There's just a lot of those types of backs who are kind of tweeners. We're we're not sure if they can be every down backs, not necessarily the best pass catchers, as you said, with McFarland. So it's just trying to find where they fit in on a team. Let's, let's talk about that specifically. And, And Matt, we'll go back to you on this one. How do you see... How do you see McFarland fitting into the Steelers depth chart? And of course, pre-draft this, this category was which team does the player fit best on now, Ray, You talked about earlier. Now we, we know, we know the team. Now we can just start figuring out how does he actually fit James Connor, Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels. And now, uh, now Anthony McFarland, it's probably fair to say one of those guys doesn't make the team. Who would that be, Matt?
1: Yeah, and let's talk about this for a minute, because first of all, we mentioned earlier in the show that Tomlin, to me, absolutely is a one-back guy. And I've been critical of him, but hey, I'm not on the sidelines when the game's the three-point game on the road in Baltimore. You know what (coughs) I mean? He he rides the best dude. And I don't know if that'll change or not. I kind of hope it does, but that goes back to Willie Parker. I mean, there was a point when D'Angelo Williams might have been the best... Backup in the league, and he didn't even get his jersey dirty a lot of games. So he rides his studs. Um, and I think he will do that with Connor as long as Connor looks like the player we've seen at his peak. <coughs> you know, a borderline Pro Bowler, but the injuries are just way too much. And um, the Steelers, Kevin Colbert and company, since the draft have been asked a lot about Connor. And they seem more optimistic injury-wise than any of us and have said they're all isolated incidents. But I have no faith in that, I mean, to be very frank with you. But I think when Connor's healthy, he'll get 80% of the touches. But that's a big asterisk. Jalen Samuels, to me, I think is in very grave danger of not making the team. He's a receiving back. He's a weapon. He's not a pure runner. And he's just not doesn't have he's too much of a monotone athlete. I mean, they use him like Darren Sproles, but he ain't Darren Sproles. And Ryan, as you know, with Benny Snell, I I like the player. Um, I was very impressed because when he came out of school, I thought he had a lot of work to do in the passing game and to make an impact on Sundays. He had to be good on special teams. So watching him every day at camp. He put a lot of effort in pass blocking, receiving, you know, working on special teams, and got really much, much better in those areas. But that doesn't help us all that much in the fantasy world. And I don't know if you agree with me, Ryan, but in my opinion, Snell's still best attribute is give me the ball 20 to 30 times and I'm just going to get better and get tough and wear defenses down and my 24th carries better than my second but he's just not good enough for me to give him the ball 25 times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Sadly, as a Kentucky fan and, and making this move, of course, his, his transition to the NFL, I, I would agree just the, the upside and, and the game breaking plays just, just aren't there with, with Snell at this point, at least they, they weren't through year one. And like you said, I'm not sure he earned, he, he earned a second look. I mean, I think he'll make the team, Yeah, yeah. that's, that's a low bar for what we're talking about here
1: <laughs> but they could be in the market. Uh, Connor's a free agent I absolutely don't think he'll be back so they could be in the JK Dobbins second round market again
0: next year yeah Ray any thoughts on McFarland's fit with Pittsburgh
2: yeah i, I I'm I, I agree with everything that you guys said I think Jalen Samuels should be the one who's a little concerned who's who's kind of nervous right now. You know, it's it's crazy because I agree with everything you guys said. Like, I'm mildly interested in Benny Snell. Like, even if it's just for a season, right? And I'm not saying he's going to be some world beater out there. But, I mean, he got 108 carries last year. I mean, he only averaged, he averaged less than four yards a carry. But, you know, there was no threat to really throw the ball downfield. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it, Matt, in your opinion, if Connor went down, Who's the next guy up? Do you think it's Snell? Do you think... Because Could Benny be. Snell's going late, late. Like, I don't, I don't even know when he's being drafted. But, I mean, I want to believe that McFarlane would get the shot, right? But it's it's hard to argue with 5'10", 225 pounds, which is, which is Benny Snell. And he, he played. He played last year. And, you know, there was a point in time where people were rushing to blow fab to get Benny Snell off the waiver wire. I just... Again, I don't. I'm not saying he's the long term solution, but I, I just really wonder if teams are going to start to say, "I've got this running back; he's going to serve this purpose." I've got this running back who's going to serve that purpose, and you know, I know that's not Pittsburgh's mo, but you know, it just seems like there's a lot of things changing in Pittsburgh. A lot of a lot of whether that's Ben, Deontay Johnson, and Juju, got Claypool. It just seems like it's it, it's there's something going on in Pittsburgh.
1: I, I hear what you're saying, and. As, uh, when you operate under the assumption Connor's not there for game day I really like the idea of McFarland and Snell But that's not what Tomlin's done And it could be Snell Because yeah. he's been a more trustworthy guy He's going to get the four yards That's blocked for three And last year I just think you can't forget That when teams lined up against Duck behind center They put 40 <laughs> guys in the box <laughs> You know, so There'll
0: be more running room Yeah yeah that's a good point i don't i don't know if we if we want to even look at last year but last year when connor did get hurt they did they did go to a bit of a committee and Mm -hmm. maybe that's just because neither snell nor samuels was was good enough to they were searching right they yes they Mm. they just weren't good enough to fill that role on their own yes Uh, and, and the question we're trying to answer here today is, is McFarland good enough to fill that role on his own? So it, Matt, if we, if we don't even get to week one, if Connor gets hurt in the preseason, who's the week one starter?
1: Snell, because they just don't know, especially with no mini camps and things, you know, I mean, Snell's the bird in the hand, but it's a pretty boring bird.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah. to Ray's point, it, Snell as a, as a late round pick or a, grab him off the waiver wire if he's been dropped in rookie draft season not not a bad idea
2: no no no
1: i agree
0: here's here's
2: and here's what's going to happen right mcfarland once he gets that first carry where he does burst into the open field he's going to look different than every other running back on that roster. Times 100. He, it, it's that is yes yeah. it's just that is inevitable he is going to it is not going to look the same as Snell, the same as Connor, or the same as Samuel. So if you're searching for that upside, and Ryan, I know you'll tell us where he's going in rookie drafts, if you if you want to make the safe bet and you just want the, the back that's going to get some carries if Connor goes down, then Snell is the guy. I, I think if, if you're looking for the upside, home run ability, a, a difference maker, it's probably McFarlane.
1: That's what their goal was in the draft, was to find big play guys on offense.
0: And, and Matt, we talked about already... Uh, on this show that that was basically what they did with the Claypool pick they brought in a wide receiver that did different things than any any other pass catcher on the team does mm-hmm. uh and and to your point they did the same with McFarland at, at running back
1: right the, the, the those rooms look a lot different now
0: yes yeah Well, let's end with a a quick look at McFarland's dynasty value through the lens of our mock draft data over at Dynasty League Football. In rookie drafts, he's currently being valued or being drafted as the 27th overall rookie, so an early third-round pick, and that makes him the RB12. Guys, he kind of feels like a a steal at that point. Uh, The only thing I would say is in that same range, you've got a lot of other running backs – uh, in this same tier, that we we would also have good things to say, to say about Joshua Kelly, Lamichael Piran, DJ Dallas, some of these other uh, backups, Lynn Bowden, and and even uh, even Antonio Gibson is not too far ahead of that. So there's a lot of these rookie running backs to like.
1: I like him more than all those guys. I mean,
0: I, I was
2: gonna say yeah, I'm 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 with. <sighs> Maybe the only other back that I think would be Joshua Kelly because I'm not really sure about Justin Jackson, and I don't know if they want to make Austin Eckler the featured, featured bell cow guy. But I'd take him over Piron. I'd take him over all those other backs, McFarland that is, over all those other backs. So I do think that's. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to taking him at the back end of the second, you know, early third. I think that's about right.
1: I, I would be the first to admit that I worry sometimes I get too close to the Steelers organization. I get too optimistic. That happens when you're around them all the time. There's no way around it. But he's my 17th rookie and my running hmm. back. Him and A.J. Dillon, I flop back and forth as my running back seven. So that's ahead of Zach Moss. I'm down on Antonio Gibson. I mean, and that's ahead of Darrington Evans, too. I mean, so those are the guys I have right behind him.
2: Mm. That's this is interesting, you know, with the data. This is very interesting because I I think I could make a case for him being above all the guys that you just mentioned. I, I, you know, and and the only argument you're really going to get is, well, uh, A.J. Dillon was a second round pick. You know, I think that's what that's what people are going to lean on when they when they make the argument. But when I'm looking at situation. Mm I mean, Evans, Evans isn't touching the ball unless Derrick Henry goes down. You know, uh, in Gibson, I have no clue what Washington is going to do. They've got 13 running backs on the team. <laughs> right. You know, I, I think he might have the clearest path to opportunity that no other running back on the Steelers roster has his skill set. They just don't have what yeah, he has. That's what
1: I keep coming back to. In every rookie draft, I'm like – I keep moving him up in my ranks. I keep moving him up in my ranks. And now I'm trading up for him in the middle of the second round. You know, like, uh, he's a guy that I keep targeting. And, again, I think you can't overlook. That was the worst offense in the league last year. It's not going to be close to that this year.
0: So that was ADP data from our rookie drafts. Looking at startup drafts, this is, uh, again, from our mock draft data at DLF. We run six mock drafts, startup mock drafts every month. Ran those right after the NFL drafts uh, concluded. McFarland, 135th overall in our May ADP. Uh, That puts him between guys like Irv Smith, Matt Ryan being drafted right ahead of him. Corey Davis and Hayden Hurst right behind him. Guys, this, this is a weird group. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know what to make of that group.
0: Corey, Corey, Davis. I don't know how he snuck in there. He does not belong in that conversation. Uh, I, I think Did I would you say Edo Smith to start that. Pile? No, Ir, Irv Smith. Oh, okay. Irv I see. Irv Smith. I Smith. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. If work. I said, if I said, Edo I, I was mistaken. No, was Irv I, was... Smith. Uh, I would, I would probably take the tight ends over McFarland. That's pretty equal. And. Uh, it's always tough to compare quarterback value to, to any other position. If you need a quarterback, then yeah, you know,
2: do you, do you have a run? Do you have it pulled up where you can tell us like the nearest running back to him?
0: Yeah, we can find that.
2: Yeah. I just, I just want to know who the nearest running back to McFarland is. While you're
1: looking, I mean, I absolutely could see this scenario though, where he has 600 yards from scrimmage is a rookie. Looks good. Gets on Center once in a while, but is far from a bell cow. Connor gets let go. It's after the, you know, you're, we're, isn't, we haven't hit the draft yet. It's February. It's March. You could trade McFarland for a first-round pick at a heartbeat. You yes.
0: Know, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Agreed. So McFarland uh, at that ADP, and again, he was 135 overall. That makes him the running back forty six. And, uh, a lot a few of the names we mentioned, uh, being drafted around him. Darrington Evans is 49, which is interesting because Evans is often going ahead of him in, in rookie draft ADP, Joshua Kelly, right behind him at 47, Damian Williams is RB 48. So McFarland over Williams, that feels like a really easy call. Uh, Philip Lindsay Mm -hmm. is ahead of him. I'd go McFarland over Lindsay, Matt Breda ahead of him, James White, uh, all three of those veterans ahead of him and I would take McFarland over each of those.
1: Yeah, I think he's undervalued.
0: Yeah, then we then we get to Antonio Gibson at 42, Daryl Henderson 41. I don't know, we could we could oh. jump way up like Mark Ingram is 34. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, I'm taking McFarland in the middle of the second round, and I'd rather have the 2-6 than Mark Ingram.
0: Yeah, Zach Moss is the 32. Darius Geis is the 30. Wow. James Conner, here here you go. James Conner is the RB 29. And that's that's probably the decision that uh, would really tell us a lot as Dynasty players is do we want James Conner or do we want McFarland on our roster right now? I think we know what Conner is. Here's my Conner prediction. I'd rather have McFarland.
1: If we fast forward 365 days, I think James Conner is going to be Devontae Freeman still on the open market. Uh,
2: you know, I asked a question on Twitter a couple of weeks back, what running back that's been sort of displaced has the best chance to be a starter again? And I think the choices were Conner, Marlon Mack, Darius Geis, uh, uh, maybe it wasn't the guys, but I know Conner and Mack mm-hmm. were in there, and James Conner was like the last... Yeah. Aaron like Jones. Was, yeah, you'd yeah, rather Jones. Yeah, Aaron far, Jones. Right? Yeah, man, this is. I'm telling you, get McFarland. Uh, Matt, while you he can. he, Mc McFarland might be a lottery ticket on multiple levels, whether that's in season or off season. Right, if you get him in season when he blows up, if if you got him and he blows up in season, you probably could trade him for a yeah. lot. If you hold him through the season, they let go. You know, Samuels is gone. They let go James Conner, and the hype for McFarland to be the guy in 2021 is there. You might be able to move him for who? That's gonna. This is an interesting one. You've got me wanting to get some more McFarland. I'm telling
1: you, I think there's 16 really good prospects in this rookie draft. You know, at the end of, in the end, end of those 16 are Higgins, Mims, Chenault. McFarland's my 17th guy. I mean, over A.J. Dillon and Brian Edwards and Moss and Dillon and Gibson and for all those reasons, over Burrow, you know.
0: Yeah, so again, RB46, and, and we can tell a, a, a pretty pretty feasible story that gets him into the uh, RB30 range pretty quickly, maybe even by the time the NFL season starts. Really good stuff, guys, on Anthony McFarland today. Sounds like we're all in favor of going out and trying to buy or draft McFarland where we can, especially if he's falling to that third round range. Thanks for joining us, Ray. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.